It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Landshark After Dark. Uh, Justin Sanders here, joined as always by John Stefanik. What's up, John? How's it going? Doing well. Good. We got a lot to talk about today. A big recruiting weekend and a thrilling one point win and a tad pad over Florida that is a week you and I were just talking about before coming on here. They tried to lose in the most oldest way ever with uh, giving up a layup with three seconds left down the court, but it didn't happen. And we move on. The basketball team continues to have a pulse to keep us entertained. Yeah, exactly. It's like last week. We start the week with a uh, a loss to uh, another good team in Georgia, but a loss nonetheless. Uh, and then somehow we scrape out a win the second half of the week. Uh, this week a lot closer than last week, obviously. But RPI remains uh, you know manageable. I think it's at around 44 today on EST and RPI. Um, after beating Florida, as you said, by one in a game that a lot of people were saying was a NCAA tournament elimination game. So it's better to win than to lose that. But like you said, we, we did our best to uh, make things interesting, at least at the end. But we'll get to that. Like you said, it was an exciting week. Uh, and other Ole Miss sports besides basketball, football was very eventful for season te- foreseen and maybe unforeseen. Uh, we'll start with the unforeseen. Um, earlier this week, I think it was Thursday night. Uh, is that right on Wednesday? Wednesday night, maybe. I think it was um, Wednesday, but regardless. Wednesday night. It came out Thursday is when the news broke. Uh, safety Trey Elston and uh, wide receiver Demore Stringfellow were both arrested by OPD. Um, both charged with disorderly conduct, and then I believe uh, Elston also charged with resisting arrest because apparently he tried to run. Uh, I think Elson was fighting, best we can tell, and from there was a short video kind of associated with that was going on, on the internet. Um, we had it on our Twitter page uh, of showing su- supposedly part of the incident that led to the arrest. Um, the alleged person in the video looking like Elson kind of was definitely in- engaged in quite a brawl with someone in the middle of the street in front of the lyrics. So obviously charges were... Uh, Necessary in that situation. The team's a little murkier, maybe on Stringfellow. Uh, different reports on that, but he's not really fighting in the video. You can't see him in the video at any point, clearly. But, uh, you know, it's another incident with the uh, Oxford Police Department and the oldest football team in the offseason. These things happen, uh, you know, seems like fairly frequently, but I wouldn't say in, in some sort of an out of control fashion. These are college students, after all, and a fairly populated college town that has a lot of such incidents to care with members of the football team and non-members of the football team. But what, what's your take, John? What do you think about this? Well, I thought it was really ironic that, you know, last week we had Table Cobbleson on, and he mentioned the thug uh, talent ratio. And sure enough, I mean, it comes out, the two guys that get arrested, I mean, we know, we know Trey Elston is not afraid to be kind of dirty on the field. I mean, he, 
the kick that Kenyon drank when his foot was hanging sideways. I don't know if it was necessarily intentional, but it was on film, so it looked bad and got got suspended a half for that. He also was freshman year was suspended a game for blowing up a UTEP receiver in the end zone the week before they hosted Texas and Oxford. So Trey's kind of the, one of the bad boys on the defense. So the, the thug-talent-ratio uh, relationship is kind of showing its uh, showing itself to be true there in this particular, you know, one-off instance. Now, to get a little bit of humor, but a little bit of truth here is that the fact that Stringfellow is hanging out with Trey is to me a positive sign indicating his talent because he's been hyped up well, and Stringfellow's gotten in trouble before. In fact, he would be a Washington Husky right now if it weren't for uh, issue, off-the-field issues before, so kind of what, what got him to Ole Miss, you know, may get him to a little bit of trouble here. But regardless, the charges are not serious, disorderly conduct. I mean, Chad Kelly had disorderly conduct last month and is, and is on campus and good to go, regardless of whether or not Hugh Freeze wants to come out and publicly proclaim that, which I really don't totally understand. That's another discussion. So... They'll be fine. They'll have to run some more. They might sit out of practice or something in the spring. I don't really think either one of them needs that much practice. Um, they will go to Haiti over spring break and join the heat and uh, be a be first round draft picks on the Hugh Freeze All Haiti team, best I can tell. But other than that, but really, it's it's <laughs> it's a headline for the media, but it's not that big a deal. And obviously, you prefer it wouldn't happen. I'm not saying I support this at all, but it's. It's part of the deal. Right. I mean, the Oxford Square is not the most peaceful of places. This, this was probably uh, midnight, I'd say, when the bars were closing because everybody was out on the street. It was a hectic time of night, as anybody who's been to Oxford can tell you, um, you know, if they're prone to stay out till the bars close. But uh, I guess that's a different story. These are college kids. You know, you can't force them to stay in their dorms or anything. You can't expect them to always be there. But, you know, you have to hope that they would keep their head and not do things like fight in the middle of the street. And that is on Trey. Um, he's an older player. He should know better than doing things like this. Uh, but he has an edge, and sometimes that makes for good defenders, albeit, like you said, 31, as Trey has developed a reputation for being. Um, but, you know, other reports from the incident said that there were a lot of players there who didn't get involved and, you know, who, who were more aware of the surroundings and thought better of it and knew that, you know, this is not what we need to do for ourselves and for the team and just in general we need to stay out of this. And, and maybe next time, uh, you know, next time Trey is allowed to, to go out, which I don't know about. I don't know how strict it is after something like this happens, but um, maybe they'll hold him back. And uh, he'll be surrounded by his friends, maybe, uh, and not get into so much trouble. But uh, punishment will probably be light, like you said. Um, they, they might miss that first half. Or, you know, I can see Elson may just been there for the entire first game. Next season, I think it's UT Martin, which really is inconsequential. They're an FCS school, so there's not, not much to worry about there. Um, scheduling works out in Ole Miss's favor as far as athletes getting arrested in the offseason because they open the season with two cupcakes. but. Um, yeah, that was it was big news during the week. I don't know. I don't know if it's really gonna matter in a couple of months, but not not the best time for those two players, but um, I think they'll recover. It's uh, Hugh, Hugh Freeze has a, a knack for rehabilitation of character. So I think we can uh, we can count on that trip to continue. Um a little bit of other stuff going on, like I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh big weekend for Ole Miss in Oxford recruiting wise. Um I was actually in town. Um 
you know, reporting for the you, the listener out there, uh, listening to this podcast. But um, I'm going to throw it to John and let him set it up a little bit and, and what kind of went on this weekend that I can, I can throw back some of my uh, reports from the field. So who was in town this weekend, John, and kind of what was the context and the importance of who was here? Well, it was for, just as kind of a back, quick background for everybody that's not totally familiar. Many, I'm assuming nearly everybody's podcast is Ole Miss affiliated and understands that they have the winter session and then the week off followed by the start of the spring semesters towards the end of January, which for the football team and recruiting purposes is an interesting setup from the standpoint that the students don't get back on campus until near the so students not getting back on campus until the end of the month means that bringing a, a prospect on campus earlier in the month is really kind of a it, it doesn't Oxford doesn't present present itself very well visit wise because it's just dead because winter as everybody knows winter sessions is a vacant time in Oxford so this this weekend there's basically this weekend and the next weekend the 23rd and the 30th is the day that it fell this year are really the two weekends to get people on campus and this one in particular is when all the, this year's kids 2015ers were on campus and the next year is mainly a big time junior day with maybe a a late add or two to this year's class. And this is essentially the weekend to recruit people. And um, as far as who was on campus, big names that we will kind of go through on a one-by-one basis here, but set up a current offensive tackle commit, Drew Richmond was on was here, uh, Leo Lewis, current linebacker commit out of Brookhaven, Demarcus Lodge, who's uncommitted at this point, believed to have Ole Miss as his leader at uh, Cedar Hill in Texas, where Chrissy had a is from. And looking down the list, I have Jalen Julius was on campus, uh, Hibbler commits, Swinney the running back, Clinton. All, all the pretty much all the commits were here. The other notable names were uh, C.C. Jefferson, defensive end out of Florida, who came on an unofficial visit along with Jeffrey Holland, which is a little bit of a surprise. Holland, the four-star linebacker out of Florida, he and C.C. rode up together, and they there's been rumors of a package deal that may have been, that may have additionally the number one player in the country and Brian Coer, which we can take a few minutes here and a little bit to talk about what we think of this whole package deal thing and figure out what it means. Are they you know, all going to go to Florida? Are they going to go to Auburn? Is the package deal a bluff? We'll get into that here in a minute. Also, uh, Rasul Clemens was on campus, and he actually committed this morning. So he is uh, on the, he is on Pastor Freeze's bus now, or I guess he's on the boat, we should say. He He's like bastard and caught. And uh, those are the big names that are on campus this weekend. So, uh, you were there, Justin. I believe you were at a said venue that hosts the recruits, known as the library, late at night. So you kind of got to observe how good of a mood everybody was in without being creepy or awkward or anything. But you were, you know, making sure everybody's having a good time. So kind of start off, let's start off with the current committed guys, Richmond and Leo Lewis. How do you, what was your take on how they felt about their commitment? Interaction right. So fortunately, fortunately, I have the, the honor of being 23 years old. So I can still go to the library. They still let me in. They don't, um, they don't, you know, hold me at the door and maybe call security. Uh, so I was able to, as you say, uh, blend in at the bar and not be an obvious old guy. Although there were a couple of guys there that were, uh, easily in their fifties and wearing old Miss gear and, uh, maybe, maybe a little more obvious with their intentions to, uh, observe what was going on. But, it was uh it was a lot of fun Friday night. Um, you know, it, as the library often is, I was known to figure the library on uh other weekends that weren't of any special import. But 
so it wasn't uncommon, but it was uncommon in the fact that there were so many talented players there um, with their player host. Everybody was having a lot of fun. Um, as you, let's see, you started out with Richmond and Leo, right? So I think Richmond yeah. uh, looked very comfortable at Ole Miss. He was hanging out with Gary Wunderlich, um, his teammate from Memphis University School with, with the high school. Uh, I think he was staying with Laramie this weekend, but I, I never saw Laramie at the library. Um, I don't know. People online said that he was there, but I don't know. I never saw him. I'm pretty sure I would have noticed him. But uh, he was hanging out with uh, Wonderlick and a lot of other MBS kids. Very entertaining to ask him. Seemed to be enjoying himself a lot. Uh, same with Lewis, who was obviously a lot quieter as is his personality that a lot of people have come to expect from him. Uh, me and a couple of friends tried to talk to him, um, but he was even he, he didn't really say much. He was you know, happy to be here. You know, it's, it's it's fun. It's cool. You know, but just not not a man of many words. It was cool. Uh, I think he had a great time. I think his commitment is pretty solid at this point. Um, based on his social media post, he was obviously feeling the love. Uh, I'd say his visit went better publicly than his visit did the state last weekend. And add that to the fact that he's already committed to Ole Miss, and I don't know. I think he he ends up signing for sure. Um. C.C. Jefferson, I think, had a good time when I saw him, which was at the library, and then I saw him again uh, at the Ole Miss versus Florida basketball game the next day. Uh, he was there with Jeffrey Holland, as you mentioned, uh, who, who he rode with. Uh, I think they were having fun at that, too, although, you know, C.C. grew up a Florida fan, so I'm not sure he was rooting for. Although, he also on social media for C.C., he was posting stuff this weekend, like a, that video with Hugh Freeze where they were on the football field goofing around, where he's obviously enjoying his time with Ole Miss as well, so... That that was a good visit for Ole Miss. We'll see what happens there. I, I, you mentioned the package earlier in your setup. I, I personally think that that's just them messing around, just having a little bit of fun uh, with their career process. Maybe not all of them, but in this instance, CC. Whereas I think Cowart was talking about the package a week or two ago, uh, trying to get CC to come to Auburn. This is my personal opinion uh, at the behest of Will Muschamp. Uh, and I think CC kind of flipped it around on him and said, "Yes, the package is real. We're all going to go to the school that I choose." Uh, but I don't see CC and Coward both going to Auburn or Ole Miss just because both programs have depth on their defensive line. Both programs would not need both those players to play next year. They would they would definitely try to redshirt one of them, and I don't think either of those players wants to redshirt. I think both those players want to be, you know, the showcase freshman on the defensive line at their school. So I think the only way the package would happen is if they all went to maybe Florida but uh, I don't think that's happening either because, you know, CC hasn't even visited Florida officially. You know, he lives right next to it. But Coward's visit apparently was cut short this weekend. So I don't know about the package deal at all, but I don't know. What do you think, John? I, it's interesting because all these kids, a lot of people assume they were going to go to Florida, which were, which is where Muschamp was. But he ends up at Auburn. And I think, from what I gather, Coward is – my guess is Cohort goes to Auburn and follows Muschamp. And I could see CC doing the same, but exactly what you said, the whole I don't see them going to the same school because at some point, especially Auburn for CC, because Carl Lawson is going to come back next year and you know, he's playing. I guess you have the other end. But like you said, I mean, Robert Kandichi and Carl Lawson didn't want to play, didn't want to go to the same school. Um, even Chris Jones that year did not, didn't really want to go to the same school as Robert at the end. Because everybody wants to have that one, it would be that one defensive lineman that stands out. So, given that, like you said, I think Coer probably wanted to put the package together more than CC did. Granted, one's an end and one is a tackle, so it could work. But 
I don't think it happens. The, pa- the only quote unquote package I can see would be if Holland follows CC somewhere, if you will. Now, Holland, with that means that Holland's going right. to go wherever he wants as well, but it sounds like Holland and CC are going to the same school. And then Ole Miss did make up a lot of ground with Holland this weekend where that could, Ole Miss can be a destination for him. So, I would. Well, it's it possible, good. yeah. Publicly, they're a trio, but I'm gonna. I think hmm. I, I. I don't think that happens. I'd be. I could see Holland and CC going together. I, I'd be. I'll say this. I'd be surprised if Coward and CC end up in the same place. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree on that one. Um, another thing to watch with the recruiting class is um, receivers and how that shapes up. Uh, the two that were kind of in Oxford and uncommitted until this weekend where Van Jefferson and Demarcus Lawrence, obviously not counting Jalen Julius, who um, is a receiver, but can also play some on defense and special teams. So um, I think Ole Miss is doing very well with Van Jefferson. Uh, obviously this morning we thought they were going to commit. Um, it was on Twitter, and we were saying that on Twitter too. But uh, I don't know. He still he hasn't said anything publicly. People are saying you know, that he wants to talk to his dad, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, when I was on Friday night, Van was having, I'd say, more fun than any of the recruits there. Uh, it was just buzzing. Players there were saying that uh, they thought that Van was a lock for sure, uh, that he was locked up. He was a lot more uh, vocal with, with his preference for Ole Miss, I'd say, than the Marcus Lodge was. Lodge was having a good time as well, um, you know, really goofing off. Uh, but he was with his friends mostly, and he was, you know, just when we would try to talk to him and talk about Ole Miss, he he talked about, yeah, it's great here. Um, but, you know, he's not going to say outright that, that Ole Miss is where he's going to go or anything like that. He's playing it cool. Uh, but it was cool when Dante Moncrief showed up at the library uh, to kind of see him and Lodge. Because I think Lodge definitely responded to that. Uh, and was it, it kind of stopped playing it as cool. It was kind of just like, wow, this is this is pretty interesting. This is awesome. Uh, there were some group pictures taken, and it was a pretty cool thing. So I, I think that that probably helped Ole Miss. Um, it's kind of flip flops because I think up until this weekend, maybe we thought that Lodge was the one that was definitely coming, and Van Jefferson was the one we had less of a chance with. I think the odds might be a little bit flip now, although Ole Miss probably is in a good position for both. So. We'll see what happens with that. You'd love to get both, but with the depth already at receiver, it doesn't kill you if you if you miss on the market for Lodge, although you'd hate to see him go to maybe, you know, A&M or something like that if it's in your division. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I think both kids had good visits. Um, yep, yep. And uh, just to uh, some to most recent news, so it is 9.53 Central time, and as of 9.04 Central, not – or Eastern, 53 Eastern, 853 Central, excuse me, we're two different time zones. You just fell out. Uh, but as of as of less than an hour ago, Van Jefferson's commitment is now public officially. So all that's oh, it is. It is, is public now. Now. Yes, okay. we have breaking news to you on the podcast. So it's yeah, probably breaking when you listen to it. Oh, I exactly. see it. Yeah, I see one minute of you. Oh, wow. Okay, great. He, well, yeah, okay, Van Jefferson he's a, is now. He's officially the- in the boat. So I would say. Right, so we were just a little bit early on that. We were just we were just about uh, twelve hours early reporting that on our Twitter. So you know, don't get too yeah. mad, folks. You know, it's, a, it's an inexact science. It's recruiting stuff. We're just kind of going with uh, the best we can yeah. come up with. Yeah. Well, hey, we're, we're foreshadowing. That's all. Yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah, there it is. We we were telling you what was going to happen. The news before it's news. 
Okay, so that's uh, some of the kids. Who, who, who did we not cover? I saw um, Armani Lynn having a great time. I think it's almost yeah. very solid. He's solid. What about uh, um, I talked to? Okay, I talked to a couple more. I talked to Eric Swinney, and I talked to Jason Tellerman, and those kids, um, kind of quiet kids. Um, not as much. And this is also earlier in the night when you know it wasn't quite full yet. I think all the recruits were in the middle of things when the dance floor filled up, but. Earlier in the night, they were kind of a little more quiet and keeping to themselves, but both talked about how excited they were to come to Ole Miss. Um, they seemed very solid in their commitment. Um, and it, but, I mean, they look at Eric Swinney is uh, he's small. You know, he's a small back. That's always what we thought about him. He's definitely going to be shifty and fast and be able to break tackles and kind of, you know, like Nick Chubb, Trey Mick or something like that. But uh, Jason Pellerin is, is um, pretty tall. Pretty tall kid for a quarterback. I think like six two, six three. He looks like he could definitely uh, put on some weight and get bigger. I don't know if he'll stay at quarterback or I don't know. I'm, I didn't ask him uh, about his ten, if he would uh, be willing to change position, anything like that. But you, you never know with kids that size. But who were you gonna ask about? Uh, I was gonna Peller was what I was gonna ask about, and I think as far as him, I think he's a project that they like now. Uh, the deal with him is he's going to get two years to develop, sit under, develop, and try to really see if he can, uh, like I said, develop into really a, a polished SEC starter. A lot of where, what ends up happening with him is going to depend on whether they get Shea Patterson. We mentioned him, I think, almost every week right. on the podcast, but he, he deserves it. Shea Patterson is a big-time pro, program changer. might be a little too, too strong, but he, he's a championship-caliber quarterback by all accounts. So, if he comes, mm-hmm. the odds the odds of Pellerland seeing the field as a quarterback diminish. So I mean, Pellerland right. can come and develop, and if he there's too many, if, the, if there's a guy in front of him, he can always transfer. So, but but he's gonna get to mm-hmm. come and get a shot. You never think you always you never know how it's gonna turn out. So I think it sounds like physically he has the potential, just a matter of polishing it. So, but I was gonna I was gonna ask you about Swinney's physique. So being a small back, it sounds like he's gonna be more mm-hmm. of a pass catcher out of the backfield, kind of a Right. on the edges runner. So, and given, theoretically, they, they'll have Laramie and hopefully Drew Richmond playing tackle in the fall, so they should be athletic on those, athletic in, from that respect. And with, uh, with Laquan and Stringfellow, I haven't, we haven't seen Stringfellow block, but I would imagine given his size, he can't be bad at blocking. He, he's got at least oh, I watched his, I watched his high school tape, and uh, blocking was featured prominently. He's a very physical blocker, or at least he was, yeah. so. I doubt that he's totally lost that. We'll see if he's the kind of guy that's going to go out there and block hard every play. And that's that's the question. But I think he can lay ferocious blocks when he when he needs to. Yeah. So as far as the so twenty looks like a perimeter out of the backfield, basically a, a Jalen Walton, perhaps a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger version of Jalen, relatively, right. but not a not a big back overall. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how if they develop any kind of inside running game with. Wilkins or potentially a King Judd coming off a red shirt because they've I mean, they're taking one running back in this class and part of that's because of the scholarship numbers I think they have 18 right now give or take spots available because of a small senior class but right. it'll be interesting to see kind of off the top of my head to me it sounds like Liggins is going to stay kind of in that H back uh, tight end short yard situation guy because I don't know who else on the team's really cut out to do that right now I think he so I would imagine Ligon stays there versus there's a little been a little bit of talk about him potentially going offensive tackle because he has the feet footwork to be an NFL tackle, but 
right. obviously he has limited experience, virtually no experience in the positions. So that'll basically see how the running game played out. We talked about it a little bit earlier. And we'll talk about it going forward. It's certainly the part of the offense that everybody's looking to see if it can develop consistency and help out whoever ends up being the quarterback next year. So right, it's just to go about the thing about the the Liggins package that we have to ask ourselves is is the existence of that package proof that our running game isn't where we want it to be yet? Like, ideally, we want to eliminate that package, don't we? I mean, ideally, we want our plays, you know, our plays to be surrounded that we have such good line play and play out of the backfield plus the receiver play and the quarterback play that you can run the same, you know, formations on any yard is, any yard is down. You can count on your line and your running back to either get the short yardage or, you know, be able to play X into a pass. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That, so, hypothetically, I mean, the, the QT Liggins package, I love him. I, I love Jeremy Liggins. I love running the 300-pound quarterback down the other team's throat. But the, the question is, should we be looking to not have that package? Do we want our team to get to the point where we don't need it, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, unless Liggins improves substantially as a passer, because he putting him on the field, you know that it's a run. They may try to fake a pass out of it, but it's I don't I don't have much confidence in that. I mean, I, ideally you would have a you know ideally Jordan Wilkins turns into your every down can be your every down back at two twenty and pound in between the tackles. You also have Chad Kelly or Buchanan or Kincaid, whoever your quarterback is back there also to kind of for play fakes and whatnot on short yard situations. So I I agree with that. And we and we you know, we're we're beating the running kind of what's gonna happen with this running game to death, in part because of the running back situation and also in part because I look at I look at offensive guard and ask myself, well who's really gonna step in and fill that fill that hole? I mean we're if Rod Taylor can get have an off season get in shape and develop into a player he can be and Javon Patterson comes in and is, is a player that he's touted to be, then they have a front line that's good. Beyond that, I don't know how much depth they really have. I love Justin Bell and depth, but at some point I've seen him I've seen him miss a few enough blocks over the past couple of years so it's like, you know what, I'd like to see somebody else in there for at least part of the game. Oof, yeah. You can say that again. I mean we all love Justin Bell, but he's not a great pulling guard. Uh just doesn't have that much mobility on those pulls. Um so yeah, we what have we missed in the uh on the recruiting world this weekend? I think we've hit most of the so. main... What about uh what about Kendrick Norton, the uh new lineman out of Florida? I never really I never uh really got to talk to Norton or anything. Uh I think I saw him a couple of times at the library. Um I don't know, not much not much buzz going on there. Uh yeah, I don't know what, what, what's gonna go with that one. Yeah, it doesn't appear to be it seems like he had a social media it's like he had a good time, but it's not like he just had a, an incredible visit to where Ole Miss is the clear leader. They're they're in the they're in the mix with uh, right. Michigan and Miami. it, it kinda of feels I think Auburn's the other school in that one as well. Feels like either is up at Miami or Harbaugh comes in and grabs him and takes him up to Michigan. So I think that's right. where that stands. Kind of the last recruiting uh, note here is coming up next weekend. But we said mainly it's going to be a, a prime time junior weekend. But the one big 2015 prospect coming in is a Kevin Scott, offensive lineman out of Southern California, who was offered about a month ago by Chris Kiffin, who uh, they kind of received some publicity who basically told Scott, typically I don't, Tiffin basically said, typically he doesn't offer uh, people on the West Coast who come all the way to Ole Miss. It's difficult, but 
He told Scott he had as much upside as any as any recruit he's ever seen, and we really wanted him to come. So he, uh, Kiffin and uh, Corey Batoon, who everybody was critical of initially, but now everybody seems to like him because he's getting good reviews as far as a recruiter. So he frees right. appears initially to have this figured out. Imagine that the guy getting paid four point three million dollars knows what he's doing. <laughs> Although I say that, and a lot of times the guy getting paid that much money doesn't know what he's doing. But three, we've seen that too. We've seen that too. Freeze appears to know what he's doing. Anyway, so Kiffin and Batoon this past weekend, or this past week, went out and spent a day with Kevin Scott. And by spending a day with Kevin Scott, they had breakfast with him, went to a school, and they, they met him They met him outside every class he had. So basically, they were like his baby. Oh, yeah, I saw this, yeah. So so essentially, like, he'd go to class, and then Kiffin and Batoon would show up and talk to him, walk into his next class. And I guess, I don't know what Kiffin and Batoon, probably called other recruits, I would think. You know, grab lunch somewhere between. But essentially, every time that uh, Scott was not in class, uh, Kiffin and Batoon were with him. And then they followed him. They went, or not followed him. I thought they were stalking him. And they uh, went home and visited his family and uh, talked to his mom. Apparently, they spent 13 hours together one day this past week. So, And uh appears that the you know, Scott likes the attention. Who, what 18-year-old wouldn't like to be in a swarm by right. a program like that? But the mom also really... Uh, hit it off with Kiffin and Batoon. And so he, he's a guy to really watch. USC is the big threat there, the hometown, hometown school. I think Sarkeesian's got the program heading in the right direction, but they have limited scholarship numbers. So he's kind of, I think he's a second option to some, to another uh, D-line prospect they're looking at. So part of it right. plays into how good, uh, does he have a gray shirt offer from USC? Does he have a committable offer? How does that shake out? Part of it comes down to can Ole Miss get in there and get such develop such a relationship to where he says, you know what, I'm going to go there, go Ole Miss regardless. I get to play in the SEC, and these guys, I know these guys want me. And Kiffin's right. proven. I guess you've probably seen the graphic where Gross was a freshman All-American in 2012, and uh, Robert was in 2013. And I think with Haynes was one. Was he won this past yeah, year? Yeah, it's Haynes. It's Haynes this year for sure. It's interesting. So Kiffin's three for three producing freshman All-American defensive line, which is, I mean, he's, he's obviously proven to be a tremendous recruiter, but his, his on-the-field coaching has been exceptional as well. He's people. This is a little bit off topic. People ask about, you know, we get this extra million dollars in assistant coaches pool. Like, you know, let's go get a big-time guy, you know, replace Tom Allen. Well, part of that million dollars yeah. goes to exactly to pay, giving your guys a raise. And when you do well, people are going to want your guys. So you need money. you got to, you know, essentially it's a perform, it's a base salary raise. They also be thought it was a performance bonus. And Kiffin certainly deserves one. I mean, mm-hmm. off the top of my head, I mean, you would, you'd love to keep him around as long as you could. If Womack decides I've had enough in a few years, if Kiffin's still around, I think he's obviously the defensive coordinator being promoted, although I have a feeling Kiff is right. going to get a D.C. job here in the next year or two based on his Easily, uh, yeah. He can get the numbers for sure. It's just going to be what he wants to be. He's recruiting too good for somebody not to say screw it. He's D.C. He's right. getting all these players and move on from there. So that's the one next weekend to watch. Other than that, it'll be juniors and kind of laying out forward. It won't be as exciting as this. Well, I say that. It won't, it's not as exciting on paper except for the fact that it's within a week of national signing day, which always leads to drama. Right. So, so, right, but next next weekend we can look for uh, you know DK Metcalf and Shea Patterson together in Oxford, um, a top twenty wide receiver and a number one overall dual threat quarterback. So maybe they can uh, 
you know, I think DK said this week that he talks to Shea about once a week at least. So, you know, you want them to obviously have a strong relationship. Metcalf's already committed to Ole Miss, uh, still pursuing Patterson. But, you know, we'd love to see that duo signing in a year from now. So, you know, there's a lot of potential this weekend, as you said. We'll have a lot of other talent on campus. And I'm sure we'll do a recap of that next week. Um, it'll be it'll be an interesting weekend for next season of recruiting as this one wraps up. But so that's basically what happened this weekend, uh, recruiting for Ole Miss. A couple commitments, Rasul Clemens, Van Jefferson, um, made some good progress with major targets. Uh, C.C. Jefferson is a National Signing Day announcement. Um, who else is announced on Signing Day out of our out of our group? Do you think of anybody? I think Lodges as well. Yeah, DeMarcus Lodges too, I think. So we'll have some drama to look forward to uh, in about what? Was it 10 days from now? Am I getting that right? It's getting close. Week? Yeah, it's 10 or 11, February 4th, a week from Wednesday. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's 10 days. Yeah. So, you know, until it's another another event to follow in this long football offseason. Baseball is approaching us still 19 days away, I think, at this point. Uh, but And basketball is grinding on and wearing us down slowly, uh, kind of, you know, crushing our spirits and giving us just a little bit of hope to keep us you know, just barely hanging on. Uh, the week, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, it was another one-on-one split. Uh, Rebels went on the road to Georgia and really just got beat pretty good. Um, not a hot shooting night for Ole Miss. Um, didn't have much success down low against the physical Georgia team uh, that really took hold of the game in the second half later. I think Ole Miss had a lead at halftime. Uh, it was back and forth a lot of the game, but the last seven or eight minutes was pretty much all Georgia. They won by 4-6. I had it pulled up just a second ago. 69-64, done by five. Um, so, you know, that was just uh, a, a sobering loss, although Georgia is decent RPI. It didn't kill Ole Miss's RPI at all. We used on the road to Georgia. But it set up a uh, – a must-win game at home yesterday in the Tad Pad. Actually, the first game of the year, I think, with a, a decent crowd at the Tad Pad. South Carolina was okay, but this was a much better crowd. Um, not a lot to cheer for. It was kind of a sloppy game, although it was a win. Um, five-star guard Malik Newman was in attendance right behind the bench. Uh, he had the pleasure of watching Coach Andy Kennedy uh and his exasperation trying to get the Ole Miss crowd to, you know, cheer at the right times and keep the team in the game. It was a little embarrassing. I noted that on Twitter, <laughs> in my opinion. But that's just Ole Miss basketball, you know. We're uh, not a storied program. We kind of make it up as we go along, and sometimes that means Andy Kennedy waving his arms up and down with two minutes left in a one-point game to remind the crowd that, uh, you know, home court advantage only works if you actually, you know, yell and cheer stuff like that, but uh, Jarvis Summers performed in the end and uh, put out a pretty a pretty good win. Stephon Moody, completely silent, uh, didn't hit it all from three, I don't think, maybe at six points, um, and as opposed to Florida, who was lighting it up from three, Michael Fraser at 27, I think, Florida shot 60 or 70% from three, so a good win if you consider the fact that Ole Miss didn't play particularly well on offense, but you know, and a good one for the RPI. So, what do you think, John? What do you take away from it? Yeah, starting off from the Georgia game, they led at half, and I think Moody had 26. And it didn't seem like an efficient 26. He was just kind of hanging, 
plugging along. And really, if you kind of want to summarize this week in a nutshell, and really what's going to happen with this team going forward, it, it comes down to Jarvis Summers. He was had a poor game at Georgia, wasn't able to score. I mean, there were t- a couple stretches in the second half against Georgia where if they Georgia would go on a 6-0 or an 8-0 run, and you're just sitting there going, okay, we just need a basket to stabilize the game. And they struggle to get that. There's not a post guy they can go to consistently and say, I need a basket. I mean, Colby will get the ball on the rim, but can't get it to go through the hoop. And I've seen this enough times to where I don't know. I just get, I just kind of give up at this point. He occasionally dunks really well, but you know how that goes. It's a, the inconsistency of the big man around the rim is, baffles me sometimes. It makes me miss the days of Reggie Murph. Took them for granted. But regardless, Jarvis, I don't think he even had 10 points against Georgia versus Saturday. He closed that game. And that was really came down to the difference. I mean, they came out extremely lackadaisical, which was disappointing. I mean, the tap out was pretty full, which as much as we give that arena crap, which, it, I mean, let's be honest, it deserves to be criticized in a Numerous ways. It's really not the building's fault. It's Pete Boone's fault. And you can say it's a cheap shot at Pete Boone, but you know what? There's no such thing as a limit on cheap shots at Pete Boone. So, regardless of that, he had eight. And that building, even though it is kind of, well, it's not kind of, it's it's a dump and it's small, but when it's full, it's loud and kind of being annoying to play it. Because if you're visiting team, you're going to play in this crappy building. There's people yelling. Why am I here? Why can't we play in that new building? Why can't that new thing they're building next door be ready this year, et cetera, et cetera? But regardless, they, they came out lethargic, really, and I think AK called timeout a minute into the game, which I thought was great. AK's emotions, classic. Were, really so classic. AK's so emotions classic. were great on TV because it was the head of coaches versus cancers thing. So all the coaches were wearing sneakers in, in honor of that. So AK's sneaker game was, I thought it was really good. Right. Plus, you got the white shoes and the bald head, and you see nothing but glistening, <laughs> glistening frustration on your television screen, which is rather fantastic to watch. So, because they went on a run, and Jarvis, I mean, he he really he hit shots when he hit shots. Now, they could have made this a lot easier if they had figured out how to guard Michael Frazier, who could not miss a three for oh Florida. Oh, my gosh. They even attempted to guard him a couple times, and it still didn't matter, so... It, it was just kind of like at some point. I mean, I, there's some, you know, it's one thing for a guy to have a hot night. He certainly did deserve credit, but he got more. He had more open looks than he needed to, especially because I mean, it looked like last year with the team that had Marshall on the court, which is much, which Marshall is not a good defender. But you would think with Jarvis, Moody, and Newby out there, or Snoop, or some yeah. combination of those guys, that they would be able to defend the perimeter better. But Jarvis closed the game, and kind of the uh, the the miracle out of thin air that kind of got him, got, gave them energy was one Anthony Perez of all people. Oh my gosh. Leading, re, leading rebounder. I mean, we were joking a week ago in Arkansas. He wasn't even in the team celebratory photo. It was like, well, it's Perez. He didn't even make the trip. It didn't look like, but now he is all of a sudden the, uh, the source of inspiration against Florida. So was he was he at the library on Friday night with the recruits? Did you right, see him so there? that's part of it. That's that's part of the story was uh you know, Anthony Perez, uh noted library aficionado, uh frequent attender of said bar, uh did make an appearance Friday night even though they had a game the next day, although in his defense, uh the game wasn't until five and he probably didn't think he was gonna play anyway. But um, you know, yeah, I never saw him taking or anything. Uh no no, no ill will towards uh, 
uh, Perez in that situation, you know, he's just enjoying himself, whatever, whatever. I didn't think he was going to play Saturday either. And then, uh, you know, they put him in, and it was befuddling. There was a lot of weird stuff going on with the roster yesterday anyway. Uh, Ron Barnes played really early. Well, I was surprised I didn't see Mark Canvas Hyman, honestly. I just thought Andy was going to play everybody. But um, maybe he knew what he was doing. It felt like he was just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. And uh, Perez stuck. And he was playing with that wild energy that oftentimes means he's out of position on defense, overshoots people. He got a couple fouls where, well, actually, he got four fouls in 12 minutes of play. But a couple of them where he just launched maybe three or four feet in the air on a pump fake. He just basically flies over the guy and just sticks his hand up and gets a, a three shot foul in one instance. But he also had some rebounds and he. Made some free throws, um, maybe make a little field goals too. He made it three, didn't he? That was wild. Um, I had a That's three turn in the game around. Uh, yeah, he, he really brought some energy that we needed a lot, which he can apparently do a couple times a season. Uh, my theory on it that I was talking about in the stands, I had a few people that, that thought maybe I was onto something, was I think that he wasn't on the scouting report. And so Florida just had no idea what to do. They were like, Coach, I, I don't know who this guy is. We didn't prepare for this. I was. I don't know why there's this huge 6'9", South American guy flailing his arms in front of me. I don't know how to respond to this. And uh, it worked. It worked for us, and, and Perez had a had a good game. So we got to thank him for that. Uh, he, he came through big time, uh, and that's not something we're used to saying. So congratulations to Anthony Perez, the unexpected Landstrikes After Dark Player of the Week. Yeah, that, that, that's – I mean – when Perez went in the game in the first half, I was like, well, we're losing this. And well, But, hey, it's good to be wrong sometimes. To kind of look ahead like we do every week, um, we've set the stage already in some extent. But uh, let's see, 28th, that is Wednesday, correct? The Bulldogs uh, yes. of Mississippi State come to town, and they are mad. Rick Wright, is that right, John? Dude. They're bad, huh? Tell me more about that. How, how bad? They're how bad are we? Two and four in the league. They have two. Con- wait, they, there's three teams with worst conference records than them. That must be the schedule. I don't know. They're eight and ten overall, and they have the lowest RPI in the league at two ten, which means if Ole Miss loses this game, then forget it. That is, that is a uh, up shit creek without a paddle as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. No, that's not the word. That's like losing two home games when you lose to a, a team in the 200s at home. I mean, uh, I, I think I'm I think I'm right that Charleston Southern has a better RPI than SB State, but I could be they wrong. Might. It would it would it's truly be do. a uh, I think they're 198 last time I saw, but it would truly be a uh, miserable game to lose. But we'll see. I mean, Mississippi State has a couple wins lately uh, over Auburn and Vanderbilt. I think. Flip that. They'd be Vanderbilt first, then beat Auburn, uh, and then they just lost to Georgia on Saturday. So um, you know they can beat really bad teams, and we're not positive we're not a really bad team. We look like one at times. So we'll see how that game goes. Uh, it is a must-win game, though. This is a stretch of must-win games for Ole Miss. Um, after Mississippi State, is it Auburn? Is that right? Or is it A and M? It is at Missouri. Oh, in Columbus. They're not in the SEC. They don't count. That's true. They uh, they are six and twelve overall with an RPI of one sixty one. So Ole Miss is playing a two ten and a one sixty one RPI there's, team this they're week. Six and tw- they're six and twelve. They are six and twelve. With Warren Nolan. Oh my uh, God! Data. That's a they're a garbage fire. Frank hates destroyed that program. That's awful. 
Man, well, you know, if Tulsa, if Tulsa would have hired Houston Nutt, then Frank Hayes and Houston Nutt would have been football <laughs> and basketball coaches, and that just would have been too much entertainment. That what a beautiful fun. combination that could have been. Tulsa just really screwed the seats on that one. And anyone that yeah. hasn't hired Houston Nutt is, is making a mistake. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it, and that's two muscling games this week. Um, if Ole Miss has any hopes and dreams of continuing on this um, – so sucking roller coaster of the season uh, towards the potential subway break. They maybe be better if we did just lose and just you know it's like shooting the horse with the broken leg. But I can't let myself truly believe that. Obviously, I'm going to hope that we keep winning because I'd love to get back to the tournament. But that's almost basketball. It's uh, it's it's what we've come to expect. Yeah, we'll quick, have quick, another quick, interesting week. Quick What's summary up? on that. Essentially. Go to the Tad Pad Wednesday night and yell at State because we should beat them by 15 easily. And if we don't, then there's yeah. – well, I say we don't. There's problems with whatever. This is almost basketball. One more quick <laughs> little thing. We talk about, you know, this being a five-game stretch of must-wins. A&M at home uh, on February 4th is the game after Missouri. Opportunity. Wednesday Opportunity. night. Celebrate your signing class. Hopefully we can get some real – a lot of big bass that day into the Hugh Freeze boat. What do you think A&M's RPI is right now, Justin? Actually, uh, I don't want to ruin this, but A&M's RPI is pretty decent, isn't it? Maybe uh, top 60, top 50? 32. 32, wow, that's even better than I thought. Top top 35 RPI. So, yeah, that that would be a huge road win. Hopefully they don't lose before we see them. But it's an opportunity game in the midst of this um, very winnable stretch of games. Um, I, I don't know about the Florida game, bringing momentum, maybe it will. Uh, like we said earlier in the podcast, maybe it's, you know, evidence that we can we can pull wins out. We can manufacture wins on the stretch here if we get good play out of Jarvis Summers. Um, that's what it is, though. Basketball to watch coming up this week. Uh, you know, just watch for more rest because you never know in a town like Oxford, uh, a bustling, crime-filled, you know, gangster's paradise. Uh, that, that hosts Hugh Freeze's program, if you are to believe elite dogs or uh, other sources of media here in Mississippi. Um, I, I don't know what else, what else, Sean. Anything else to look out for this week? Anything from you? I think that's about it. Go hate stay at the Tad Pad on Wednesday. That's all I got to say. That's always that's always an easy task. So there or not, I'm sure you'll be hating state. I will leave you with that. Thanks for listening.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.